This is episode number 16 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Today we have a new segment called Because of Street Photography. Well, welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Happy New Year. It's a little belated, but it's the first time we've been on since the first of the year. This is Bob Patterson, and once again, I'm your host and the publisher of Street Photography Magazine. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine, where you can find us at streetphotographymagazine.com and in the Apple newsstand. Oh, I'm sorry, in the Apple App Store now under the name Street Photography Magazine. Ashley's not with us this week, but she will be back for our next episode of the Evaluation Show, which we'll hear in just two weeks. This week we have something new called Because of Street Photography. Now, in the Because of Street Photography segment, we'll be talking to different street photographers who've had things happen in their lives just because of street photography. And today our first guest is going to be Craig Bowman, Craig is an American, but uh, he's been living in Mumbai for several years, and he's going to tell us his story of how his life was affected by his street photographer. So hang around. I think you're going to like it. Another new segment we started at the very end of 2016, a matter of fact, the last podcast episode, is called The Evaluation Show. And it's something we're going to start doing once a month. If you haven't heard that show, I urge you to go back and download it because uh, we're really proud of it. We featured a photographer from New Zealand named Jake Metzger, who was starting out to become a photojournalist, and he was looking for some feedback on some of his work. So I invited him to be our guest on the first evalu- first evaluation show. So what we did is Ashley and I took turns evaluating three of his photographs, and we had Jake on the line at the time. And we had a really nice discussion about his work. We talked about things that we liked, and we talked about things we'd like to see different. And he had feedback as well, and it went really well. Uh, I got a ton of very good feedback about the show. People uh, would like to be on it and have their work evaluated. And so we're going to make it a regular thing. We're going to do it right now once a month, and we'll see how it goes from there. Now, as to the podcast schedule, we made a commitment to be on uh, regularly twice a month. Uh, The podcast will air on the second Friday of each month and on the fourth Friday of each month. Now, on the third Friday of every month, uh, that's when we publish the magazine. Uh, We may drop in a special episode every now and then, but it will always be on a Friday. We would really like to do the podcast weekly. And we may do that in the future, but we want to make sure we have enough content to make it interesting. Now, as I said, we publish on the third Friday of every month. We publish the magazine on the third Friday of every month. That means our next issue is coming out next week, which is the 20th of January. And I'm really pleased that we're starting out the year strong. Our featured photographer is Juliet Mansour. And she's from Atlanta, Georgia. She is a very active street photographer in that area. And she shoots probably 50% film and 50% digital. She does a lot of film. And as a result of my interview with her, um, I became inspired to get back into shooting film. So I pulled out out one of my uh, old film cameras 
and I still had some triax in there, and, and I finished up the roll, and I realized that that's been sitting in there for eight years. So I'm sending it off to the lab, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it's going to come out. We'll we'll see. But uh, Juliet herself has done some really interesting work, and I think you're going to enjoy it immensely. So don't miss that. And again, that'll be out next Friday. Uh, we also have uh, a really cool photo story by Jamari Lior from India. And the article is called Floral India. And as you can imagine, it includes lots of color. It's all about flowers. And uh, don't miss that because he, he did some, some really nice work. And we've got uh, also a, the first part of a two-part photo story by George Strauss from New York. Uh, George is actually from my neck of the woods. And he moved to New York a long time ago. He's been there for many years. And so he wrote this photo story. It's called Roaming Manhattan, and it's about his life shooting on the streets in New York City. So don't miss that. I think you'll really enjoy that. And then we have uh, another photo story from Andres Ragno. It's titled City Landscapes, and it's just what it, uh, what it says. It's all about uh, urban landscapes as opposed to photographing people. You know, we're always photographing people on the street. Well, Andres, this time... Uh, is featuring uh, urban landscapes, so it's a real nice departure. It's very good. It's a very good photographer. And then, as always, we have our Street Shooters of the Month, and we continue to receive many excellent submissions almost daily uh, from photographers around the world. And if you are interested in publishing your work and having it seen by others, uh, we encourage you to register as a contributor to the magazine, and it costs nothing. And when you do that, you're able to upload single images, only your good ones, by the way. Um, and you can also send us uh, photo stories and projects to be considered for publication. And we'll put the links in the show notes below. Now, as I said, uh, this episode is sponsored by Street Photography Magazine. But not just the magazine. Uh, we've published our very first of what we hope to be a series of guidebooks. Uh, we do. We plan to publish a number of them over the next year and beyond. Our first guidebook is called Leave Your Photographic Legacy in a Digital World. Now, what's this all about? I talk to people all the time, and I hear a lot, and this doesn't matter what people's ages are. They say that they're concerned about dying without anybody seeing their work. So many people, including myself, have thousands, even tens of thousands of images on hard drives on their computer or some other storage device, sometimes even just on scattered memory cards, and nobody sees them. Now, in the past, if you wanted the world to see your work, you didn't have many choices. You could do a gallery show, you could get published, um, you could publish a book, or you could be published in a magazine. And basically all those are out of your control. I mean, you're dealing with another publishing company or you know some other entity. But today with the internet, Anybody can tell their story and have it found by others. And it, it doesn't have to be black magic to do this. It's actually not very hard. So, you know, why is it important to, to have a presence online as a photographer? Well, it's important because the Internet is where people find everything nowadays. If you have a presence on the Internet, other people can find your work, they can hear your story, and they can appreciate what you do. But if you don't do this... Your work could be for nothing. You could have thousands of photos 
and nobody will ever see them. Just think about Vivian Meyer. She produced fabulous images back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. She kept them stored in boxes, and they were almost thrown in the trash. If it wasn't for one guy finding them by accident at a garage sale, she would have gone into obscurity. None of us would know anything about her and about her work, but now the work lives on forever. And this doesn't have to happen to you. As you may know, I make most of my living developing websites for people, uh, mainly their coaches and trainers, storytellers of some type, authors, photographers. And I know firsthand that many people are afraid or they're just concerned about, you know, dealing with a website, you know, and they're confused about how to get started. They're confused about social media and how they can make use of that, you know, to, to get traffic to their website and and connect with other people. And I know as a publisher, many people don't know how to approach somebody like us to be published or featured. And that's why we created the Leave Your your Photographic Legacy in a Digital World book. That's kind of a long title. Maybe we'll have to shorten that. Um, It's a framework for how to do this stuff. And we try to keep it, we keep it very simple. So in this guidebook, we'll show you how to number one, understand your target audience. Now, that might sound funny for an individual photographer, but you really have to think about who you want to get to know you and who you want to get to know your work. You know, it basically depends on what you're actually trying to accomplish. Some people are trying to to sell their work to others. And it's not the same for everybody. So the guidebook shows you how to think this through. It shows you how to Uh, It gives you a simple system for using the Internet to learn more about your market, to help you determine who it is, and and go through a system. We're very systematic about this stuff. It's virtually paint by numbers. If you just follow the steps, you'll learn more about, about what your market is, which then helps you target what you say on your website. And the next we'll talk about your website. Um, Like I said, many people are afraid to do it. Many people have... Websites, they started, didn't know what to do with them, and now they're sitting around gathering dust. Uh, Websites are living and breathing documents that change constantly. None of them are ever finished. And if you try to have one that's finished and perfect, you'll never have one. So we talk about how to get your domain name, which web platforms are best for photographers. Some are free and some are not but we show you how to get started. We also talk about online communities. We show you which ones are best for street photographers. We give you some guidelines on how to participate and not only get feedback on your work, but to give feedback to others and to track traffic, uh, or not track, but how to attract traffic to your website. Now, next is social media. Now, this baffles everybody. It baffles me a lot, and I use it all the time. But we encourage you to pick one social media platform and master that. And the guidebook walks you through several of the popular platforms used by photographers and, again, gives you step-by-step instructions on how to use them on a regular basis. And last, we show you how to get the attention of publishers and podcasters to be featured or interviewed in their publication. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. Now, I know firsthand... I'm a publisher, and I know what I want to hear from somebody who is asking to be featured in the magazine, and I'll share that with you. 
And every section of the book contains a handy checklist to keep you on task to get you started easily. Now, the book is available right now. It's only $7.99, and you can, $7.99 U.S., by the way, and you can find it on our website. It's at streetphotographymagazine.com slash photographic hyphen or dash legacy, photographic hyphen legacy. Now, that's a lot to write down, so we'll have a link to it in the show notes. And if you happen to be listening to this on the website, um, and not your your podcast player, you'll you'll see the ad for it on the on the right hand side. So don't miss it. I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, now it's time for our segment called Because of Street Photography. And once again, our guest is Craig Bowman. Craig is an American photographer, been living in Mumbai, India for several years, and he's gonna share his story of how street photography has affected his life. So, have a listen. Today on our newest segment called Because of Street Photography, I have a special guest. His name is Craig Bowman. And Craig, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Bob. Yeah, I'm glad to, and I'm glad we could work the time out. Uh, just a little bit of background. Craig, is he's an American street photographer, but he's based in Mumbai, India. And he shoots for magazines and online publications and projects. And he focuses on uh, social causes, works with a lot of NGOs and nonprofits. And he's had his work published in uh, some very, uh, very cool places, Le Mans. Uh, and you're going to have to cor- correct me if I say the name of these publications wrong. Uh, Diplomatique, Huffington Post, The Daily O and the Hindustan Times. So, Craig, welcome. I know I didn't say a lot about you. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, fill in the gaps of things that I didn't say, and tell us how how did you wind up in Mumbai, of all places? Sure. So, uh, basically, it was in... uh, I've been living here for about... uh, It's going to be four years in April, this coming April. So, uh, I, I married my wife, who's Bengali. She... Her family's from Kolkata. Um, she was working here in Mumbai um, when when I moved here, and so we've both kind of settled in here in into Mumbai. So, to kind of you know reference it with with photography, um, that's kind of when I rediscovered photography for myself was uh, after taking a, a photography a street photography workshop um, in in the city here. Um, then I sort of got back into it and started doing it as a hobby, and and then one day I got a uh, an email from from somebody on Flickr saying they wanted to buy one of my photos. Hmm. And after that, uh, and then it was Lawn Diplomatique, which is a major uh, European publication. And after that, it's kind of like you know this sort of makes sense, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, so then I got into it really uh, full bore, and and so and now here I am. Uh, it's probably about a year and a half later, and still learning, still trying to, to, you know, fit the pieces together uh, and, and, you know, make it work. Whose workshop did you take? Um, it was a local artist and photographer. Um, Kedar Kulkarni is his name. Uh, he's uh, basically, uh, it's funny, we, he had this, this ad in, in the paper, I responded to it. Um, and I went there and I was the only guy. 
and I was the only person that showed up for this for this workshop. So it was kind of neat that, you know, he gave me this whole rundown on you know street photography, and this is it's actually a genre I've never even heard of. Um, I mean, I had some photography background when I was a student out of high school. When I was first taking college, I was I was doing biomedical photography, which is a very uh, and this is back in the film days too. I mean, we were developing everything in black and white. So, uh, you know, this had I heard about street photography, I think back then, back when I was a lot younger than I am now, uh, I, I think I would have dive or dove in full bore into this this genre. I had no idea you can go out the streets and just take pictures of people and that was a thing. So I discovered that here, long story short, I discovered that here in Mumbai, um, thanks to, you know, this this guy and, and, and now, you know, I'm learning more about it, you know, the history and, and everything else, so. Wow, and, and all of that because, because of something you posted on Flickr. Right. Yeah, that that came uh, later. That was after I was doing uh, street photography as, as kind of a, a, a hobby, really. But I knew that I liked going out, uh, taking pictures of strangers, and I particularly liked taking candid photos, um, which is another subject in itself, especially if you're a foreigner uh, living in, in India, because um, everyone's looking at you already, especially if you have a camera. You look like a tourist. And uh, you stick out and people are wondering, what are you taking a picture of? Why are you taking a picture of that cow? You know, why are you taking a picture of, of me? You know, they don't understand what I'm doing. And so everybody watches. And it's, it's quite the phenomenon if, if, if you ever get the chance to experience it if you come to India. Even if you don't have a camera, if you're from the outside world, a lot of people will be looking at you. So that poses some interesting problems. But, you know, you, you get around it. That's true. Do you speak... The language you speak Bengali, or do you speak uh, Hindi, or, or no? I, I I keep saying that I'm I'm trying to learn both <laughs> those languages. <laughs> uh, the, the the pronunciation is so difficult uh, for me, and, and and I need to probably to put more time into it. But I, I would love to learn Hindi. That's gonna be the most practical language, and followed by Bengali because when I go to uh, Kolkata, you know, everyone speaks it on the street. What did you What did you train to do originally when you were living in the states and going to school? Uh, a little bit, a little bit of uh, everything. Um, I've always been interested in the arts. Uh, I started off studying music um, and also writing. Um, so I made my and and then the, you know those kinds of things. When you, once you, you figure out you're not making a living at doing those those things, you you start taking regular jobs. So you know I've, I've worked quite a bit. Um, I worked with some some banks. I worked for uh, HP, um, some insurance companies, things like that. Um, but bef- when I came over to India, then it became a whole new question of how am I going to make a living. Um, so here I, I took up writing again, and I started uh, writing for for some of the publications um, like Dailyo, the one you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a regular contributor there for a while. Um, the Huffington Post, I was able to get a, a blogging spot there through an editor. So uh, th- those things, I've, I've kind of held the reins and then kind of transitioned into photography um, in the last year. Or I'm, I'm still transitioning, I mean, to be honest. But, Aren't we um, all? It's, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's kind of how I came over, kind of as a, as a freelance writer trying to scrape out a living, you know, any way you can in, in Mumbai. Yeah, I think it's interesting because on your website, I mean, you bill yourself as a street photographer, 
And then you do this commercial work, which uh, I, I find very interesting. And uh, you even sent me an email in response to our, our survey. You probably didn't think a real person would actually read that, did you? I didn't, but I had a feeling for some reason. It was it was such a – the way you worded it, I thought, well, this guy actually might might do it. So, no, I, yeah. I, yeah, I read every one of those and respond to every one. Oh, I was going to say, the, uh, yeah, the, the transition from street photography to – commercial, um, it, there's not like any formula to it. I mean, I think it varies so much by the, by the individual. For me, I mean, you know, so, some people will see some images and then you'll get completely random offers or, or contacts. I mean, for instance, you know, somebody saw some picture of, of a hijra, which is, uh, you know, the transgender people that are on the, on the streets. And, uh, so this one person from a startup fashion agency saw that and, you know, we were in talks for a while about doing a, a project sort of based around fashion with, uh, with the Hydra clothing. So the, the things you get in India, I mean, aren't going to be the things you get in Berlin or in, or in, in the U.S., you know, in L.A. Um, there's not really any method. And if, if there were, I wish, you know, I, I would be following it to, to make it, you know, an easy transition. But it's it's sort of you get some really oddball things that you never thought you'd be doing. So you have people actually reaching out to you. They're finding you what to your website and contacting you about particular photographs or particular assignments. Is, is that how it's working? That's it's working like that, and also through some of my contacts here. I mean, uh, my my wife's a a brilliant um, composer uh, for for the the movies here, and and. Not in the Bollywood uh, scene, but more in the uh, kind of the uh, alternative um, end, of, end of the spectrum. So I know some of the people uh, that she works with. And for instance, I would take some, do some photo work with, with a director or an actor or actress and, and things like that. And mm -hmm. so not being in the, not that this is a commercial, but this is more of a, you know, portrait, sort of like a bread and butter sort of work that you can get. Um, you know, so so you basically it's about, you know, utilizing your contacts when you're not getting contacted yourself. So but as far as people contacting me, it's it's probably maybe about 40 percent people will contact me and 60 percent. I'm, I'm still having to hustle. That's a lot. It Yeah, it, it is. It's surprising that you get a lot of uh, it depends, though. I mean, it's and, and the projects can be few and far between uh, as far as the, the weeks go. Um, but you know, that in the meantime, you got to do your own thing. You got to do, you know, you got to reach out and do the, the non-commercial work, the, you know, the portraiture, um, you know, in my street photography kind of uh, projects that I'm doing, um, now, you know, to, to fill in the, in the space and hopefully that stuff generates an interest as well. Yeah. As they say, don't wait for the phone to ring. No, no, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah. So you, you learn that when you start trying and, and you really uh, have to take it to heart that, you know, you're, you're not going to create anything for yourself uh, for a while. I mean, you have to, like you said, you know, don't wait for the phone to ring. Um, you have to go out there and make something happen um, and, and also hope that it happens because it's, it's, it's a very tough field. I mean, you're more likely going to get, uh, you know, work maybe based on something that you've done, but it may not be exactly what you're, you want to do and something that you're maybe 
even qualified to be doing. Um, you know, because uh, creative directors, people, I mean, they'll look at some of your photos and they'll go, oh, wow, this is great. Why don't you, why don't you go take a picture of this building? You know, it's like, you know, if someone asked me that, I don't know anything about architectural uh, photography. It's a whole new field, you know, and probably a whole new set of gear and lenses for that kind of thing. Yeah, that's for sure. So, yeah, so I mean, it's the it's basically putting your nose to the grindstone and just, you know, just plugging through it because you want to do it. And, you know, and just accept that, you know, you still have to work. You still have to make a living. Do that. Don't throw that aside. But if you're trying to do it in street photography, um, it's, 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 just, it's just very difficult. And I, I think most people will probably do something else to, to pay the bills if they're a photographer. And the street projects may be things that people pay you for, you know, uh, project by project sort of basis or, or, you know, for something that they have that they want. Yeah, I think that's more of the norm. Um, I do know of some people who, just by being a street photographer and, and being out there normally in social media, that um, creative directors or, uh, you know, other people in advertising have found them and they've said, this is the look we want. Can we hire you to do whatever? Sounds like you've, you know, you've had a little bit of that happen to you. I've, yeah, I've had a, li- a little bit of that. And, and something that I learned from a, a street photographer who's, who's well known in, in uh, Berlin, uh, I, I sought him out uh, to, to ask him questions. And this was back um, February last year when I went. And, you know, he, he told me that, you know, the reason why, I mean, what, the social media angle uh, of street photography, he said, is, is super important. And uh, the, what he he backed that up with something very solid. He said, you know, I got a, a very lucrative gig from Sony um, because when they typed in, uh, I think it was Berlin street photography as a search term, his name his or his website is the first thing that pops up on the Google results. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you'll you'll know who I'm talking about because that's how I found him. That's how Sony found him. So back to the, the question of transitioning into street photography, I mean, this, this is what I'm working on. You know, get, get the social media presence up, get the Google results to show you. Um, maybe, and the more specific, the better. Maybe the city you're working in, which is what, what I'm trying to do in Mumbai. You know, trying to, to, you know, gain some interest in what I do in Mumbai itself, not India. It's just too much of, a, uh, too much of an umbrella to, to cover. Huh, that's interesting. It, but I thought it was interesting that you were initially found on Flickr. Normally on Flickr, what do you get there? People pop by and say, nice shot, hoping you're going to look at their stuff and say, nice <laughs> shot. Right. That was really strange. Yeah. Uh, completely what, out of left field. Do you, th- what, do you think it was due to a search term? You know, there's the Flickr advanced search, which is pretty good. Were they actually, you know, looking for a particular keyword or they were just strolling by and happened to see it? It, it was uh, it was something like that. I asked uh, it was it's funny. It was a little vague in the answer, but it was from from uh, hashtags, something I put. But he was use, he definitely was using a search term when he, he found that particular image. And. Uh, yeah, that, that was kind of a signal to me that, you know, you really need to take this more seriously, you know, because I, I, first of all, I mean, 
I didn't think anything of the image itself as far as being something that would be, you know, on the cover of a magazine. Um, so, you know, you, you never really know what people are going to like, but if you're going to bother to put it out there, then you may as well try to tag it properly or, you know, at least put three to five hashtags in there that kind of explain what it is. So when creative directors and, and people are out there searching, and, and they are, they're searching every day. I mean, I know this, um, that they, you know, that the people tell me this, but, um, you know, they're not going to find you unless you somehow let them find you. You know, you, you have to do a little bit of work with yeah. social media angle. In our business, we search Flickr quite frequently. It's, oh, okay. I mean, I'll tell you, from the other end, you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Um, right. And it's easier just to go to iStock and buy something right away. But sometimes you can get some much better, much more unique work that way. But um, I remember once I looked, I did a search. I was looking for leadership or something like that for a client. And up come hundreds, if not a thousand images from the San Francisco Gay Pride Parade. Now, why this guy wow. tagged these images as leadership, <laughs> I don't know. But none of them fit what I was looking for. But it was too hard to narrow them down. So wow. you're right about tagging it properly and maybe adding additional tags. Right. I, th I think you're right. Diversify a little bit, be general, and then be specific. Yes. Um, you know, this this is a thing I'm trying to learn still. You know, I'm still trying to unlock that code, you know, <laughs> if it's specific in general and, and what's best. Are you depending a lot on web traffic and are you getting a lot of web traffic? I'm not getting a lot of web traffic to my uh, actual website, which is disconcerting. But uh, it's the social media angle. Like I use Twitter a lot. Um, I have uh, some Facebook. I have a Facebook uh, page that's absolutely huge, but it's got nothing to do f with photography. Um, so I've once in a while I post on there, and it's really out of character, but I still do it anyway to drive traffic. So I can monitor that. I can see how many mm -hmm. uh, hits are going there. But the funny thing is, from Facebook, I'm not seeing like it used to be. I, I don't see a lot of traffic actually, you know, you see the reach, the numbers, but I don't see those numbers actually turning into actual real hits on my website. Um, but but Twitter is, is the thing that I, the go-to thing that I'm using quite a bit. Flickr, I kind of just use that as a you know, depository for high resolution images. So I'd never really, you know, until this, the first, you know, until I was contacted by this magazine, I had no idea that, you know, people were actually using it for other purposes than storing or maybe trying to get some likes or something. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something. Yeah, that's interesting. What, what types of things are people starting to buy in, in street photography? What, what, what type of looks are they looking for? Have you found, or why are they buying street images rather than doing more studio photographs? I guess what is the market? I, you know, I, that's a good question, and and uh, for Mumbai in particular, I, I I don't even have an answer for that. I, I know that another another angle of that, and it seems to be something that's popular um, in the in the big cities, maybe in in Europe and maybe Los Angeles, New York City, is you know the fashion end of things. So you have street fashion, you have street, you know, you have these these terms. So 
you know, there's a, there are a few photographers out there uh, that are, you know, making a lot of money because of their look. Um, so, you know, that's another code to crack. You know, uh, I, I've taken a few photos of that, but I'm not one of these people that want to go out and hire models mm -hmm. uh, necessarily right now. I mean, that's, those are expenses out of your pocket if you're going to be doing it right. I mean, you, you need to have the hair and makeup. You have, you have all this stuff that you need to do. Uh, to do that. And I'm more of a guy. I like to go out and do street photography. Um, if I see somebody that looks fashionable, which in Berlin, if you go there, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a walking, uh, you know, it's a catwalk there sometimes. You can go out there and see the most fashionable people in the world. And, and sometimes you, you snap them because it's like, wow, they look really interesting. But um, those are probably the kinds of things if, if people are interested in sort of diversifying from street photography, I mean, fashion, you know, if you know anything about it or have a passion for it, that might be something to, to go for. Maybe you can become the Bill Cunningham of Mumbai. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, a different story here uh, as far as that goes. Uh, because on the streets, the, uh, it's not the same as is it in the U.S. or in, in much of Europe. Because um, you have a lot of working people, a lot of... Uh, Poor people, homeless people, beggars, um, and, and the people that have money, the people that look like they're dressing the parts are usually hanging out around clubs. And so if, if you're going to be doing that kind of photography in, in Mumbai, you're going to be hanging out a lot sort of outside of clubs, kind of milling about and taking photos at night hmm. um, because nothing is open in the daytime as far as the clubs go. I mean, no one's you know out in the 95 degree heat. Um, at, at two in the afternoon, um, those people are in cars, they're in a AC cars and they're going to and fro, but it's the night scene. So, I mean, if you're doing that in Mumbai, which I never really thought about, but you, you'd have to be hanging out, kind of skulking around, uh, at night, taking photos, better have a flash unit and, and all that. That's interesting. So what have you learned from all of this? What's been your, um, your, your biggest aha moment? I think the greatest aha moment for me is, is probably realizing that despite being sort of this introverted person, that when I'm out in the street, I, I actually find a joy and sort of a connection with people that I don't necessarily experience on a day-to-day -day, uh, routine. So, and, and maybe, maybe that's because it's India, maybe because it's such a different place and because some of the people here, I mean, not some, but many of the people here are very open and, and genuine and welcoming and excited to talk to you. Um, you know, they ask you the same questions. Where are you from? How long have you been here? Um, a, a thousand other things. What are you, what are you doing taking pictures? <laughs> you know, uh, all, all these things. And, and why do you want to take a picture of me? You know, uh, so, but it's, it's a different place. And so you get into conversations. And I know a lot of street photographers love uh, making a connection. And if you're one of those kinds of people, I mean, what I've discovered and what I've learned is is that this is really a great place to be. And it doesn't matter whether it's Mumbai, Kolkata, uh, Varanasi, uh, Delhi, any of these places that I've visited in the last uh, couple months. Um, just an amazing place. You, you can sit down and have conversations forever. So even I couldn't help but think if somebody who's interested in street photography wouldn't love to, to do that, to have that chance, that opportunity wow. in, in India. Wow, sign me up. That's on my list. You know, I, Come I find, on out. 
I, I will. I will. I just have to convince my wife. <laughs> you know, I, one thing I want to ask about your photography, I know, uh, you know, I see lots of photographs from India. A lot of great Indian photographers submit to the, uh, the magazine. Most people shoot in color. It's such a colorful place. You mm. do so much black and white. And you do it very well, by the way. Um, well, why don't you do more color there? That's a good question, and, and that's I'm I'm actually doing more color right now. It, but it, it just happened since January first, actually. Um, so initially, when I came, I mean, my my background is in black and white photography. So in the analog days, so there was nothing that I loved more than developing black and white. And I wasn't when I was learning it. I don't think I was actually that good at it, uh, the film side of it. Um, but with with you know, from the dark room to the the computer and Photoshop and all this. Um, you know, processing is so much faster. So there's this, I've always been this black and white person, the, the aesthetics of it. Um, I just love that, that look and, and, and that look can, can be a lot of different looks, but, um, not necessarily the, the contrasty, heavy contrasty looks, but, um, I, the, the thing that the challenge, it was a challenge for me because I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, to take a picture. I wanted to, to sort of not necessarily document, but I wanted to portray people in India in a way that they're not usually portrayed because like you said it's always so colorful so many so many great photos of of indians in, in color and they're out there everywhere i mean and they're amazing they're just amazing shots so why not get the other side of that you know why not get the black and white and and a lot of people aren't fans of it it's not the most popular thing to do but i i just love that look so much that it, that it's a challenge to to, to make it work um and, and, and as far as doing more color, uh, I'm doing a lot more color now, but that's only because of a personal project. And and sometimes when you look at these photos, they just are better in, in color for any number of reasons. And it usually has something to do with what they're wearing or uh, the, the background itself or, or both. So you, I, I still, I'm still honest that way to myself. If, if something looks better in color, I'm more likely going to you know, process it in color versus black and white. Yeah, so, so the black and white, um, another thing, besides being, you know, this is going against the grain, so to speak, uh, this is not how photographers traditionally document India. The other thing about black and white is I, I think that it really captures sort of these existential moments um, when it's done very well or when you get lucky sometimes. I mean, you, you don't have the color as a distraction. A lot of people talk about that uh, mm -hmm. who are black and white enthusiasts. And that's true. And, and then you have the, you know, you have the whole tonal, the, the whole range of you know, the grayscale to, you know, which if, if you get lucky or if you're, if you have the time to frame it right and get the light right, then it's just beautiful. I mean, it, it's hard to deny. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and as far as that look goes, I kind of like, I'm kind of in the, I guess in the school of thought where I like the, the clean looking sort of black and white. So like I, I want to have it you know, less grainy as possible, unless I'm experimenting or something. Um, I just like that sort of clean, you know, Ansel Adams sort of look, because that was what's kind of like driven into my head when I was first learning photography to begin with. I mean, Ansel Adams was propped up as this is the photography god. You need to process your, your boring shots of somebody's face or under the microscope or this tree bark. You, you got to get it you know, pristine and, and clear. And, and for some reason that aesthetic stuck with me, even though I didn't quite 
you know, I didn't like the, the technicality so much of what I was doing. I thought it was boring after a while. Um, but I did take that from it, from my initial training as a photographer. Uh, I love that clean look. I'll sacrifice a little bit of sharpness and clarity maybe just to get the grain out. At least that's what I find myself doing lately. I try not to overdo it because it can get bad. But, you know, for, for street photography anyway, you can maybe get a, away with that uh, versus, you, you know, you can't really do that with a client. Yeah. But, you know, if we're talking street photography here, then, you know, I'll, I'll suffer a little bit of the sharpness. So, Craig, um, what are you shooting with? I am shooting with the original camera that I brought over to India, which was sort of a hobby camera. Um, so it's kind of Canon's introduction into the DSL world. It's uh, a Canon T3 uh, Rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've got that. I had the the kit lens, which isn't everyone hates it. Um, I, I it's okay. Uh, I have a 255 uh, to 250 millimeter uh, lens. I just got a couple new primes uh, last month that I really love. 50 millimeter, uh, 1.8, uh, the, the nifty 50, yeah. and uh, 24 millimeter. So uh, these, I, I, I'm loving it. I mean, it's a completely different look. Yeah, it, Craig, I guess it, it doesn't really matter what gear you use, especially on the street. I, I think that's mostly true. I mean, there's that saying that the best camera is the one you have with you. And, uh, you know, for street photography, that's fine. Uh, um, there are exceptions, though. I mean, I, I was completely in, in line with this. But, you know, at the same time, you can't have a, you know, a telephoto lens and walk into a, a crowded marketplace like Chore Bazaar no. um, and, and, and expect to get shots. I mean, you have to be a little bit smart, right? I mean, you're... Uh, the, the right gear also includes what, you know, what lens you're using. Um, if, if, if you're looking to take street photography to a different level, it's like, you know, I'm not going to shoot with this camera for doing heavy commercial work. I don't own a, um, like a Canon uh, 5D Mark IV or a 1DX Mark II. I mean, but I can, I can rent one if I need to. And since I'm sort of into Canons, I can, I can uh, certainly do that and to complete the work. So it doesn't, so in a way, going back to that, it doesn't really matter what gear you have when you're going out, as long as you know what it can do. If you're aware of the limitations and your your strength and weaknesses, then it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, I agree. It's the right tool for the right job. Right. And most of us don't need a one D. I don't even know what they call them anymore. One D Mark, one DX. I, I I don't. That, that's so out of my world. I don't pay much attention to them. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's way out there. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, you don't you don't. So, Craig, why don't you tell us where people can find you online? Yeah, so you can. Uh, my website is uh, streettog.org. That's street and then tog. dot org. Uh, my Twitter account it's just at Craig Bowman, first and last name. And then from there, you can see links to other things. Uh, and, and also from my website, you can see Flickr or, or Facebook and things like that. That's good. That's good. So I'll go to go to one place, streettog.org. And, yeah, please go there. Uh, Craig has some very interesting work on there, and you've got to go take a look at it. I think we can all learn a lot from what he's doing. So, Craig, well, thanks for being with us today. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you reached out, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Thank you very much, Bob.